What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. Welcome back to today's podcast. I am really excited because I have brought on another awesome guest for you guys. I love bringing on guests that have interesting stories, but also professional and expert backgrounds in the realm of fitness, health, and all things nutrition. So today, my guest is Brooke Jihol. Am I pronouncing that right, Brooke? It's Jaylee, but no one can ever pronounce it correctly. <laughs> it's, it's spelled differently. I'm reading, I'm like, Jahel, Jahel. So, okay, Jaylee. So, Brooke is a speech-language pathologist in Kansas City, Missouri. And she and I were actually sorority sisters. She was a pledge class above me. So, that's how I got to know her. And it's really exciting that, you know, we both went into health industries. And now we get to reconnect years later once we're alum or alumna I don't know the, the proper term for it but reconnect as health professionals and have awesome conversations so in her practice as a speech pathologist her passion is applying the principles of strength training to rehabilitate swallow function she's been practicing yoga for five years and has been competing in powerlifting for the past year she plans to complete yoga teacher training this fall and is currently studying to become a certified strength and conditioning specialist, also known as a CS, or yeah, CSCS through the NC. Oh my gosh, so many letters here. Am I saying the <laughs> alphabet? The NSCA. So basically, she's got a lot of credibility here and a lot of future letters after her name. So, Brooke, welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. I am so excited you're here. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here, and I apologize that my name is weird and that I have so many letters. It's a mouthful. No, I love it. I apologize that I can't pronounce anything. So anyone who's listened to this before knows I stumble over my words. I promise I'll get better. So I apologize as well. So I wanted to bring you on today because obviously through all your credentials, you are an expert, but you have such a great story about how your experiences with nutrition and fitness and wellness and all of these things have evolved over the past five years. Yeah. So um, back in college, I didn't know anything about nutrition um, and I've kind of gone through an evolution over the past five years or so. And what's really interesting is how it's all kind of come together in my practice as a speech pathologist. Um, so I guess I'll just start there. About five years ago, whenever I was back in college, um, I was just looking at caloric intake and running a lot. Um, not that there's anything bad with running, but I was literally matching the calories that I was eating based upon how much I was working out. Um, mm. So basically, I got into a really unhealthy lifestyle of a caloric deficit, and it affected pretty much everything from the way that I was feeling to my performance in school, um, all different things like that. And um, I really didn't see a lot of change until I learned more about nutrition. But I think the hardest part for me was my access to information. Um, I just knew what I knew from social media and, uh, you know, women's health magazines and things that you learn just growing up from the media in general. 
Um, so I didn't really have a good source. Um, I really wish that I would have had access to information like your podcast. That's why I'm really excited about this podcast because um, actually a couple of the episodes literally brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, I really wish that I would have had this information, you know, five years ago, but I'm super excited that you guys are putting out this content for people that were are hopefully where I was five years ago um, so that they have, they don't have to go through like all the things that I went through, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks Brooke for, for saying that because that that's part of the reason that we started the podcast. Cause I think the, the listeners and me, really can relate to your story when we were before podcasts and before social media and before all of this information was so accessible we would hear one thing and that's all the information that we had so when you were saying you would be eating at this extreme caloric deficit and then matching that with how much you're running the world was telling us that that was Rose was right like I remember specifically watching an episode of America's Next Top Model of all things where this girl was on there saying that you have to burn every calorie you eat and I went my entire adolescence thinking that that's what I had to do to be thin like those girls so I mean it's alarming how horrible and faulty information was put out there and how much people buy into it. It's still, there's still bad information out there too, which is stressful. Yeah. I think um, to your point, that's exactly how I lived. I just grew up thinking that if I matched, you know, the amount that I was eating or if I ate less than the amount that I burned, that I would look like the people on America's Next Top Model or people, you know, celebrities and things like that. Um, And I just didn't, think that it was in the cards for me if that makes sense to to look the way that I wanted to look or to have the athletic performance that I wanted to have because I thought oh it's just genetics Uh, which obviously we know that certain things do apply to our genetics or are related to our genetics but at the same time we can actually control a lot more than I previously thought we could control Um, and so learning a lot more about nutrition and exercise really helped me to gain a better understanding of, of those factors and to gain a healthier lifestyle. Um, I know you've had other guests on the show that have talked about this, but um, at one point I literally lost my period and I didn't have it for a long period of time. Like it was like six months or so. Um, And it was just a, a really bad period of my life because I was watching and counting every single thing that I was eating And, you know, if I ate a certain amount of calories, I felt like I had to go run to burn those off. Um, So at one point I was literally running anywhere between five to 10 miles a day and eating like 1,200 to 1,000 calories a day. Um, And I didn't understand, well, why am I so sore all the time? Why do I not have energy? Um, But a lot of the factors of my lifestyle at that point just weren't really healthy, even to, you know, the amount that I was sleeping and the things that I was eating. Um, so I've kind of, well, not kind of, I've really had, uh, an evolution over the past couple of years, just learning all the factors that are important, um, to live a healthy lifestyle. So it's been quite the journey, quite the journey, but, um, it's been good for sure. Well, first off, I want to say thank you for sharing, you know, your story about losing your period, because so many women go through a similar struggle and everyone's story is different. But when you lose your period, it, it's kind of hard to talk about because you don't really know when to bring it up or how to bring it up. And it's, it's I don't want to say it's shameful, especially when you're around other females, but it's 
I can't really think of the word, but it's just uncomfortable to talk about. But it's a lot more common than people think, so it needs to be talked about. And I always tell people, when you lose your period, it's your body telling you something's not right. And it sounds like for you, it was the under-eating and over-exercising. And then you were feeling those other symptoms, like being sore and not having energy. And then, of course, it's mentally taxing to go in and count every calorie and then have to feel like you need to go burn it off. So what for you was kind of like the tipping point where you're like, okay, like this is not good for me. I don't feel good. This isn't working. What really pushed you to make a change specifically? So honestly, it wasn't until um, I learned a little bit more about nutrition and exercise from somebody that I trusted um, that I felt like was knowledgeable in the field. Um, it wasn't until that point did I make a change. And even then, because I had been in that lifestyle for so long, I was extremely apprehensive to make a change. Um, I think the thing that really pushed me was like, okay, I've been doing this for X amount of years and I really haven't, (laughs) haven't seen that many results. Like, yeah, sure. The number on the scale changed, but like aesthetically, which is what I was going for at that point, I didn't see a lot of changes. Um, so because I trusted this, this person, um, I was like, okay, I might as well just give it a shot. And, you know, if worse comes to worse, I can always go back to what I'm doing right now. Um, and so I actually started eating more and taking rest days and changing how I was working out. Um, and I started noticing changes in the way that I looked, but also in the way that I felt, um, with all those things obviously came challenges because like you guys have talked about on the podcast, you know, we get it in our heads, like obsessing over the number on the scale and things like that. So um, because I had been in that lifestyle for so long of always looking at the number on the scale, weighing myself religiously, um, some of those things were definitely challenging. But um, just noticing overall how I felt the fact of having more energy and focusing better and sleeping better and just even increasing my performance in the gym um, and changing what I was doing and having more energy doing so and being happy, um, all of those things outweighed the challenges. Um, so it was definitely hard, but so worth it because now I am comfortable with what I'm doing. Um, and overall I'm happy, which I can definitely say I wasn't happy at that point in my life because, um, it's honestly no fun to track every single thing in your phone and then feel like, Oh, I just ate a piece of cake. So I'm going to have to go run x amount of miles to burn that off I mean it's just not a healthy way to live in my opinion because I was obsessive over it so um, nothing against running or tracking calories at all um, but I think everything in moderation and for me it wasn't it wasn't in moderation Um, so I think that kind of plays into my I'm a type a personality which if any of you listening Mm -hmm. know SLPs that's kind of like a thing in our field Um, so it was kind of just a control thing, you know, um, I felt like that was the way that I could control my health. And then when, once I started learning more about health and nutrition, um, I actually realized that I wasn't doing a lot of things that I could be doing to make myself in a more optimal position to be healthy. So, uh, definitely a big learning curve. Yeah. And the fact that you said it was a lot harder to break free of that habit of tracking and then running and kind of breaking out of that exchange of energy where you eat and then you have to burn everything and track it and keep that control as a type A personality. 
should not be undermined because that is, you know, some people who've never been through that might listen to that and be like, why is it so hard just to stop doing that? Well, if that's the way you've been living your life for so long, it's hard to break that habit. I mean, it's just, it's part of your daily routine. It almost feels like you're going against everything you've ever done to make a switch. So it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength and consistency to break that pattern. But it shows, like you said, the challenge of doing that was worth it tenfold because I've been, you know, not to be creepy, but I've been watching you on Instagram <laughs> and I see your posts and how much you've transformed it. I remember when you were posting about how you were eating more and actually feeling better and still building this body that you actually wanted to building a physique and then seeing that performance increase in the gym from eating more. And I just think that message needs to be hollered from the rooftops. Like you women can eat more and actually feel great and still get aesthetic results that you're looking for. And especially since you're in the gym doing things like powerlifting and strength conditioning and yoga, like you need that energy. Yeah. I think um, even though I'm, I talk about it all the time to people, obviously on Instagram, um, but family and friends, like if you're around me, I talk about this stuff all the time. It still is, I think, just something that we've ingrained in ourselves to think that if I eat a lot and I lift heavy that I'm going to get bulky. Like I hear Mm -hmm. that all the time and you see it all over social media. Um, And I know you guys have talked about this before. It's, you're not going to get big or, you know, get manly unless you're eating to do that. So like, and I I think that's the thing too, with powerlifting, you know, uh, when I tell, tell people that I powerlift, a lot of people that aren't familiar with the sport are like, Oh really? You, you powerlift? Like, and, you know, they think that these big, huge, strong guys, and they're surprised that I would want to do that. But, again, that goes back to, you know, learning about nutrition and learning about strength training. I used to think that, too. I didn't want to lift weights. I didn't want to eat a lot because I was afraid that I was going to, quote, get bulky. But the thing is, um, if you actually know the science behind it, then you know that that's not going to happen. But I think it's it plays into that psychological factor of that. We've heard that for so long. Um, I literally just had this conversation with um, a family member over the weekend who is wanting to get into strength training, but nervous about it because she's afraid that she's going to get bulky because um, people that she cares about in her life have told her that, you know, Mm. Oh, well don't lift weights because if you do, you're going to get bulky or, you know, don't max out, you know, don't do these heavy weights because if you do, you're going to, just look like a man and it's like well if you know Mm -hmm. the science behind it that's actually not true but again it's that psychological piece of I've been told this my whole life so now I have to like break out of these patterns yeah exactly like we grew up you know watching Jane Fonda workout videos where they're not using any weights or maybe two pound weights and they're doing aerobic exercises and people think like oh that's what you need to do to get that lean sculpted look well no, you need to build muscle. And the way you build muscle is to lift heavy weights and put resistance on your muscles. And the women that do look bulky per se are doing so on purpose. So exactly. they're, they're not naturally, like, they're, it's kind of like when people say, oh, well, I'll get bulky. It's like, don't give yourself that much credit, dude. Like, <laughs> it's hard to get big. It's hard to put on muscle. You got to eat stupid amounts of food that the average woman is, is likely not eating. And then there's, of course, the the hormone factor I mean men put on muscle because they have different hormones they've got more testosterone therefore they're going to put on more muscle so there's a lot of different factors that go into how 
people put on muscle. You're not you're not just going to get bulky when you walk into a gym a few times a week and lift weights. You're going to see that lean sculpted physique. And I think you're proof of that. And more and more people coming out and telling the world and, and just reiterating it over and over again that resistance training builds lean body mass, leans, builds lean body tissue emphasis on the lean not the the bulky part of it people that look Mm -hmm. bulky do that with intention yes and now you also do yoga too so you you do a lot can I tell me what's your training schedule like because it's not very common you see somebody who went from running all the time restrictive dieting move into powerlifting and then also balance powerlifting and strength training with yoga yeah so um I train four days a week I do powerlifting um four four times a week. Sometimes I'm in the gym more than that. If I, um, can't get my accessory work done with my work schedule. Um, but I typically start every single day with some form of yoga. Um, and that's primarily just from a mental standpoint. Um, I am pretty open about this on social media, but I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder a few years ago. So, um, yoga has been a tool that I found to help me manage that. So, um, even though now, unfortunately, I'm hypermobile, hypermobile, which has affected my powerlifting a bit, um, I still do it for the mental aspect of it because um, if I start my day off doing yoga, I feel a lot better throughout the day. Um, so I will take classes every now and then, too. Um, I'm at a, a really great yoga studio here in Kansas City. So whenever I can, I try to get into the studio because – um, I think there's something, something to be said for taking a class led by an instructor when it comes to yoga. It's just, it just kind of like lets your mind rest because you don't have to think about anything. They tell you what to do. Um, and a lot of times I find a spiritual component to it. Um, but as far as strength training goes, I'm typically lifting anywhere from four to five times a week, just depending upon my work schedule. Awesome. Okay. So you stay busy and active. So you're basically fitness goals. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I wanted to ask you, and this is just kind of like my own curiosity. And I talk to a lot of people that practice yoga and we have this conversation and I always love other, you know, active yoga people's perspectives on this or yogis. (laughs) Do you ever find that there are parallels between the practice of yoga and the principles taught in yoga with your relationship with food? Yes, I do. Um, so I, do you do a lot of yoga? Yeah, I, I love yoga and I love the instructors that talk during the yoga class because the whole time I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing things that I can translate into nutrition counseling with my clients. Like when they talk about self-forgiveness and compassion and balance and yeah. focus. Yeah, so a lot of the things that I learn on my mat, I, I feel like apply to my life as a whole, but Um, but I have found that a lot with when it comes to nutrition, because, um, kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier about breaking out of those habits and those patterns. Um, I think everyone's, you know, journey is different, but for me, it's been, um, hard to, to learn, to let go, (laughs) um, and to, to not sit there and, um, kind of bash myself internally about eating things. Um, I know, you have talked about this before, but, you know, thinking about foods that are, are bad for you. Um, I would just get it in my head that, okay, I can't eat this because it's unhealthy. And if I did, then I would feel extremely guilty about it. Um, and so that I'm applying this to yoga and the fact of they do talk about that in yoga, you know, like 
letting go and um, being able to care about ha- care about yourself, you know, have self-care, which that includes allowing yourself to eat birth- birthday cake, you know, or go out for a beer or um, go out with friends, spend time with family. Like I would restrict myself so much at one point that it's like I didn't want to do anything because I didn't want to mess with my macros, which I mean, again, that's just kind of a sad, a sad way to live. Um, so it still is, you know, kind of a challenge because sometimes I'll catch myself like, oh, I just ate that. Why did I eat that? Or even sometimes I'll get on the scale and be like, oh my gosh, I gained X amount of pounds. Um, but that's why I post a lot about, about it on social media to share with people like, okay, cool. I weigh, you know, five more pounds today than I did in this picture right here, but there's not really that big of a difference. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter anyways. Um, so yoga has been great in that aspect. Um, and just, I think for life in general, I found a lot of the principles that I've learned while practicing yoga, um, just apply to my daily life. And I've actually got to use them, um, in my practice as a speech pathologist. So I'm just a huge advocate for yoga. I think that if anyone hasn't tried it, then they definitely should, because I've learned so much, um, just being on my mat. So yeah, the part, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a tickle my throat there. The part where you were saying that you would, you learn to let go, I think is really important because I know a lot of women and men too, we have these feelings when we eat something that we've previously deemed as bad. We start having that negative self-talk to ourselves like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate over my carbohydrate macros today. I can't believe I ate that. There was no reason for me to eat this. And then you get this feeling of guilt and then you feel like a failure. And then it's just really hard to stay confident and feel good about yourself. And in fact, I think before this podcast launches, uh, we had had this discussion on the episode before this one that's going to come out about how when you eat something and have feelings of stress or guilt, that actually changes the digestive process and changes how your body metabolizes those nutrients and actually can make you eat not only feel worse, but actually be kind of productive for any kind of weight loss goals so it's it's important not to have that negative self-talk especially if you eat something and you would normally feel guilty about it to just eat it forgive yourself and move on and like you're saying those things you learn from the mat you are you've been able to apply not only to your relationship with food but through your career and your professional life so for like I said earlier, you're a speech language pathologist and SLP. So what kind of things specifically have you pulled from either yoga or from exercise that you've applied in your position as an SLP? So um, I, I don't know for the listeners um, how much they know about speech pathology, but basically we can work with people anywhere from birth all the way until death. Um, so I, I am working in an outpatient setting. Um, but I also float and do um, acute care. But most of my time is spent on outpatient. So um, I would say a majority of my caseload are patients that have had head and neck cancer. Um, so I talk about this a lot on social media as well. Um, but those patients have an issue with swallowing. So what happens when you have head and neck cancer, um, a lot of times they'll have surgery and then they'll go through chemo and radiation. Um, So if you can imagine having like the worst sunburn of your life, but internally, like in your throat, a lot of these patients can't swallow because it is so painful. So if, you know, you have that and then you don't swallow for, you know, 10 plus weeks, 
your muscles atrophy. So, I mean, you can imagine like if you sat in bed for 10 weeks and you didn't walk and you got up and tried to walk, like you wouldn't be able to. Um, so, you know, working with these patients has been so eye opening for me to see like their biggest goal is to eat a cheeseburger or to share a birthday cake with their granddaughter or, um, to drink a beer on the 4th of July. And, um, so it's been so eye-opening for me because, like, I can do that stuff, you know. So, I mean, that relates back to the thinking about food in a negative way. It's, like, it's it's more than just um, the nutrition, I think, for me now. It's, it's, like, it's life, you know. I want to be able to do those things and be guilt-free, and I want to help my patients get back to doing the things that everybody enjoys doing, you know. Um, so that's been really cool. And then how I've applied yoga to – some of those things is that a lot of times these patients have a lot of um, psychosocial factors. So dysphagia is what we call swallowing disorder. So I'm sure you're familiar with that from working um, in the hospital setting. Um, but a lot of these patients have dysphagia. So they're having, you know, difficulty swallowing and they have symptoms of that in public. So, you know, coughing and clearing their throat and we have strategies that they have to use to swallow safely or efficiently. Um, and so a lot of these patients, they have, you know, anxiety because of that. And they've been diagnosed with maybe anxiety and depression related to, um, their diagnosis of cancer. Um, so we started a support group, um, and in that support group, I've heard a lot of, um, really, really, really sad stories, um, from these patients about the things that they've experienced and their, their feelings, um, this is one of the highest suicide rates um, for cancer, this specific type of cancer is. Um, so we've used as a team, used yoga in trying to help these patients. So our wellness team has started um, a yoga program for all cancer patients, but I specifically as a speech path have helped teach some of my patients um, diaphragmatic breathing to help them calm down um, and to help them just manage their stress and their anxiety related to swallowing um, and things like that. But I've also used it with other types of patients, um, like people that have difficulty coordinating uh, breathing and communication. And then we actually have um, a patient that had a stroke. She's really young and she, um, she really likes yoga, but she can't do it the way she did before because of her stroke. So the occupational therapist and I designed a, um, sorry, my dog just sneezed. <laughs> um, <laughs> the occupational therapist and I designed a, um, a chair yoga flow for her. So it's really um, kind of been able to be applied to all of my patients. And I apologize because I'm rambling, um, but I just, I just really love it. And I think that a lot of people can benefit from it. Uh, one of the coolest parts of my career so far um, I got to the opportunity to speak at this um, cancer. It was a cancer event for any type of cancer patient. Um, and so I, I talked about this a little bit on social media, but I had this whole thing scripted that I was going to say. Um, and then I got out there and all of these patients had terminal diagnosis that I was speaking to. Um, so I just ended up just telling them, you know, my story and how I use diaphragmatic breathing and yoga and principles from yoga to help um, manage my, my personal experience with anxiety and then help with organization and memory because a lot of these patients have issues with memory and communication because 
of, you know, the drugs that they're being given, the treatments they're going through, and then um, the high stress that they're experiencing having these terminal diagnoses. Um, and then right after I spoke, this yoga instructor spoke, and we literally all sat on the floor with our shoes off and just meditated and did deep breathing. And it was like the coolest thing. <laughs> Everybody got up afterwards and was like, wow, I can't believe how incredible that was. And it was just, you know, a 10 minutes of meditation and breathing. So um, I really think a lot of people can benefit from the principles of yoga. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I had never done yoga before, you would have just sold me. And I can tell in the way you talk about it, not only how passionate you are about yoga, but how passionate you are about your patients. I mean, the story about your patient who used to do yoga and now she can't after the stroke. So you and the OT got together. I mean, that's just incredible and shows how much you care about people. So I just, I think that's really cool. (laughs) And I love all of those stories. And I remember seeing that post you made about that speech you gave to all the patients. So when you got up there and you had this whole script, you just totally ditched the script and, and, and went with your heart and told your story. Yeah. So I had, they had asked me to speak on, um, cognitive skills. So, you know, attention and memory, executive function skills. Um, and so I had like strategies and things written out and just different ways that people could target those things at home, um, because they weren't, they weren't patients of mine. They were just coming to this event for information and support. Um, but when I'm standing up there talking to these people with a terminal diagnosis, it's like, they don't, or at least this is what I thought if I were in their shoes, I wouldn't want to hear, you know, just tasks and activities that I could do to work on those things. Like you, you've talked about, you know, we want, we connect by listening to other people's stories. So even though Mm -hmm. I don't have cancer, um, my mother-in-law had breast cancer. She was stage three and um, I got to be with her throughout that whole journey. And even in the after effects of, you know, what happens after cancer. Um, I've got to see that firsthand with her. And then I work with a lot of cancer patients. And um, unfortunately, some of my patients don't make it. So that's, that's been a huge learning experience for me um, in this role. So sharing those experiences and um, just, you know, ways to take the burden off the cognitive overload as I like to call it. I don't know if that's a legit term. Yeah. My patients seem to, um, to uh, recognize that term and understand what I'm saying when I say that cognitive overload, you know, it's like you're doing so much um, like for you and I, you know, working, it's like you're, you do, you're doing so many things and then things you forget things that you're like, how did I even forget that? But these patients, it's a little bit different. It's because they are so, extremely stressed out because, you know, they have this terminal diagnosis. Um, To give you an example, my patients, it's like, okay, well, you have head and neck cancer. So we're going to pull all your teeth. And then we're going to put you through 35 rounds of radiation, you're going to go through three rounds of chemotherapy, we're going to put a feeding tube in you, you're probably not going to be able to swallow, and then that'll be it. And it's like, all these things, you know, a checklist of things to do. And then your family's worried about you, you're being given this schedule of appointments, you can't work. So it's just a lot of things. And because of all that, people have issues with memory and communication. And then obviously my patients have issues with swallowing. So um, just sharing my personal experiences and how I um, use 
yoga and diaphragmatic breathing and different strategies that I've learned both like in my personal life and then as an SLP, um, that was just really cool to make that connection in that, um, at that meeting. So, oh my God. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, you know, earlier when you were talking about when you work with patients and you see these things that they can't do and things that they wish they could do, like drink a beer on the 4th of July or whatever it is, working in those clinical settings really opens your eyes and helps you feel grateful for what you can do. And then when you put it in perspective, thinking about things like, oh, I feel bad. I shouldn't be eating these foods. And then seeing it in that context is like, wow, like, no, I'm lucky that I can be able to enjoy whatever food that I want to and that I can chew it and that I can swallow it and that I can savor it because there are people out there who would do anything. They would do anything to be able to chew food normally and taste food and be able to get up and move. And so I think, you know, day-to-day life, we take those things for granted. And when we see other people who would do anything to do it and we are, you know, purposely restricting ourselves and not letting ourselves enjoy those things about life it's it's kind of silly when you when you look at it silly for lack of a better term yeah yeah definitely and um I mean I know you share such good information about balance and the science behind everything which I do think you know we need to be aware of I'm I'm not saying you know well just go out and eat whatever you want and excess but I do think it's, you know, for a lot of girls, I think we have that. And I mean, guys too, but I know speaking as a girl, um, there have been so many times when I do have that kind of guilt trip after the fact of eating something or having a bad day of eating or whatever. And I just beat myself up over it. And it's like, I have so many patients that I see that they just want to eat a cheeseburger or even to the point, they just want to drink a glass of water without choking Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, Um, I I think a lot of people don't realize that because when I worked in the clinical realm, I worked with a lot of people that had lung transplants and they were, there were some patients who wouldn't be able to drink thin liquids, meaning water for months and months. I had one guy that couldn't eat or drink for almost a year Yeah, and it's like, you know, you'd go in there and he would just be like, I would do anything. I would do anything to be able to just drink some water and eat. And it's, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how, um, just how much is, can be taken away that we don't realize it. And I hear that from my patients a lot. They're like, I didn't realize I could forget how to swallow. Well, it's not that they forgot that, you know, their swallowing muscles have been impaired by the, the fact that they didn't swallow, you know, for X amount of time. And then the radiation is just a brutal treatment that changes, um, the anatomy. So, um, it's just, now I, you know, I take a drink of water and I, I think about it differently because on a daily basis, I'm seeing people that literally cannot drink and, or they, you know, maybe they can't drink thin liquids or maybe they can't eat solids. Um, one of the coolest experiences of my career, I had a patient that was on a, on a puree diet for about, about six months. Um, so puree diet means like everything is ground up the consistency of applesauce. Um, and he was so frustrated because he really just wanted to eat steak. So, um, we tried a a new treatment. We implemented a new treatment for six sessions and he called me and left me a voicemail. And this was a grown man. He was crying because he got to go to Chipotle and eat a steak Chipotle bowl. I just got chills. Like it was literally the coolest thing. And I, I get to, to help people do that. And so, 
Um, that's why I love my job so much. So I'm sorry for people that follow me on Instagram because I talk about this kind of stuff all the time because um, it's just it's it's really awesome to be able to help patients with that. But it also has really helped me see um, that there's so much more to life than just sitting around counting calories and obsessing over it. Um, I do think that there are benefits to it, but like you guys always talk about everything in, in moderation and balance and you just get right back on track, you know? So totally. I love that point of there's so much more to life than, than dieting and counting macronutrients. I mean, I'm sure you see this a lot with, you know, just being in the fitness realm, but I have people come in sometimes. And when we discuss or even entertain the idea of not counting macros or counting calories, they feel legitimate fear. And somebody who maybe has never gone through something like that, where they were used to counting calories and counting macronutrients and worrying about everything that they eat in their mouth, they might laugh at the fact that some people feel legitimate fear. But if it's something that people know, and it's the only way they know how to live, stopping that is really scary. But then working with people and seeing them free themselves from that restrictive lifestyle that they were a slave to for so long is so rewarding because I mean I have people tell me they're like I actually felt at ease around food for the first time in decades I mean literally I had a woman tell me that the other day and it was just like wow how you don't want to end up being you know getting sick one day because we don't know when we could get sick or we don't know when we're going to die but we don't want to be in this position where we're like man I had you know x amount of years I had my whole life to enjoy it and I wasted all of this time hyper-focused on restricting my food, and now I can't even eat it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's hard for us as humans to even think that far ahead and imagine that happening to us. But I'm glad that you share those stories on your Instagram because there's lots of people who, if they haven't experienced it themselves, may have someone close to them that has experienced it or will experience it. And when we can really show that empathetic side of it and, and tell the whole story that's not being talked about enough, it can really help people provide better care and, and love themselves and love the people in their life even more so. So I'm glad you share all this stuff about your your job on Instagram. I mean, I learn a lot from your feed <laughs> and it just reminds me to put things in perspective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking about your experiences with your clients, that's one thing I wish that people would reach out to people who are experts in the field more because um, that was one thing that I didn't do. And, you know, back in college, Instagram and social media, they, it was obviously a thing, but not to the, to the degree that it is now. But because I didn't reach out to an expert for so long, I was doing things wrong the whole time. Um, I guess wrong is not the right word to use, but I was doing things that were restricting me and making me unhappy for a long period of time when if I would have just reached out to an expert I I would have not maybe had experienced that which um I think you know there's lessons to be learned in the journey and things like that but um I just I wish that people would reach out to experts more so I think the more we can spread good information um the better so I am like I said just really excited that you have this podcast and that you have your Instagram because um, I think that what you guys and your, your team is doing is really great for women because I definitely wish I would have known more about this a long time ago. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Brooke. And, you know, I, that's, like I said, one of the reasons that we want to start the podcast because I know from my perspective, I felt the same way. You know, we, a lot of us who become dietitians or a lot of us, us who 
go out on social media and spread these messages, spread them because we've been through struggles before. We've had the hardships of the journey and learning how to feel good in our own skin and nourish ourselves and take care of ourselves the right way. That by sharing stories and sharing information, we can spare other people either as much pain or as much struggle as we went through. And I know for, for, like you said, when you reached out to the person that you trusted, I know one thing that really helped me was always watching YouTube videos and Instagram videos from people that actually had struggles and journeys and overcame them. I mean, not just people that say they have a solution and they try to sell you a solution and we don't really know what that solution is. So I couldn't agree more with, with what you said. And, you know, speaking of social media, how can people start to follow you and check out all your cool workout videos and keep up with what you're doing, not only professionally, but in the fitness realm? So my Instagram is uh, my initials and my last name. So it's B-R-J-E-H-L-E. So my first uh, first initial, middle initial, and then last name. So B-R-J-L-E. Perfect. Then- I will make sure I link that in the show notes for you guys, too, if you want to follow her on Instagram. Um, and then... I'm not as active on Facebook, but if you want to find me on Facebook, my name is uh, Brooke Renee. So Renee is R-E-N-E-E. Oh, Brooke, we have the same middle name, except you spell <laughs> yours the right way. My mom put an A instead of an two E's at the end. So it's like A-E. It makes zero sense. So kudos <laughs> to your mom for doing it right. <laughs> yours actually makes sense. So Brooke Renee on Facebook. Okay. So, and you told me you're starting a new segment on your Instagram, which is really cool. Yeah. So um, I've actually had um, some power people that power lift reach out to me on Instagram asking me about yoga for power lifters. So Um, I'm starting just weekly posts about just different movements that people can do if they train with a barbell. So it doesn't have to be just for people that power lift, um, but just barbell training in general. So it's just pretty basic stuff because honestly, sometimes less is more. So I'm going to be posting those every week. I started them a a few weeks ago and then um, I've had some other people just reach out to me asking for basic beginner flows. Um, So I'm going to post those too. And then um, once I'm actually certified, a certified yoga teacher this fall, um, I'm hopefully going to be starting to teach yoga classes at a new powerlifting gym here in Kansas City. So what? That's so awesome. Wait, that's really exciting. I love watching your yoga videos because you speed them up. And they're really mesmerizing. <laughs> and so like, I'll just sit there and just like watch you bend around like a little string bean. And you're doing all these little flips and shit. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, so I definitely, I lift weights and I definitely don't do them at the same extreme level you do, but I get like those barbell pains, especially in my hips. So I'm going to yeah. have to really, I'm going to have to try to keep up with your flows now because I watch them and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I ha- actually had somebody reach out to me and it was a guy. He was like, I, I really want to learn how you you know you do the these different yoga flows that you do but like I can't keep up with them because they're so fast so I'm (laughs) I'm not putting them at such a high speed now so that's why I started the um post like on my actual page so people can bookmark them I'm trying to put the um like the rationale behind them in the caption so anyways anybody that needs like personalized stuff just send me a dm um I've had people reach out to me like maybe they're having pain in a certain area um, so I'll send like personalized videos to people over DM. Um, and so anyways, just as a word of, um, like kind of where I'm getting some of this information from my husband is also 
certified he's a certified strength and conditioning specialist which is kind of what got me interested in strength and conditioning and how it applies to my job as well um so everything that i'm posting about um, i'm making sure it's backed up by research and i'm talking with him if i have questions because he actually already has his certification um, it's a certification that you mentioned at the beginning that I'm currently studying for. So, Wait, That's really important that you're putting research-backed information. So you are obviously a trustworthy source. I mean, your page is awesome. You've got all this cool stuff on there. you got your speech-language pathology stuff. you got your yoga, your powerlifting, <laughs> your videos. You are just awesome. Well, Brooke, I am so thankful that you came on the podcast today. I loved our conversation. I think we're going to get a lot out of it. So thank you again. You know, I do like to uh, end with one last question. It's kind of like a silly question, but what is your favorite meal or recipe? Okay. I am a complete weirdo, but my favorite favorite meal is breakfast. So I make an, I make the same thing like every day, but I love to have an omelet with onions, peppers, and then a lot of times I'll add cilantro if I have it. Um, with sweet potatoes, goat cheese, Himalayan salt, and then I know it sounds like a lot, but then I also have Greek, Greek yogurt with stevia, cinnamon, and then blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries if I have them, and then of course an almond milk latte. So, yes, <laughs> wait, that's great. Okay, guys, remember when Brooke says it's okay to eat a lot? Remember, <laughs> it is like that sounds like heaven. Yeah, that's literally just my breakfast. By 12 o'clock, I'm starving because going back to talking about caloric deficit, once I actually started eating, I was actually hungry. Like, it was kind of crazy how that works. But um, I realized <laughs> the concept. That, yeah, I was like, wow, I can actually eat this and have more energy and be fine. So, anyways, uh, it's a great feeling. <laughs> it's euphoric. Honestly, and, and like I said, again, like for people that have never experienced caloric deficit and over restriction, they might think like, what? But it's so true. Like can, for anyone who's dealing with it right now, like it is very possible for you to be able to enjoy big, healthy meals like that, look great and feel better than ever. I mean, it's possible for anyone. Brooke's done it. I've done it. It's possible for anyone. Well, Brooke, thank you, again, thank you again so much for coming on today. I am really excited for, for this to, to show. And you guys listening, if you want to keep up with Brooke, be sure to follow her on her Instagram. I'll link all her info in the show notes below. But for now, we are signing off. So bye, everyone. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.